，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Olufsen 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。As the summer winds down, one hotel is revving up for one last marketing bonanza. It teamed up with the Harry Potter franchise to launch a new line of snacks and souvenirs based on the blockbuster series. They've got edible wands and real witches' robes, and even the glasses of the boy who lived. For fans of the magical story, it could be a treat not to be missed. 穿上巫师袍，拿着魔杖变身魔法师。Put on your robe and pick up your wand. It's time to get magical. This hotel has launched a new range of snacks and desserts together with the Harry Potter franchise. Mimicking classic scenes from the movies, this fondant cake is shaped just like Platform Nine and Three Quarters. There are characters from the movies, Harry's iconic glasses, the Sorting Hat, as well as chocolate ones. Inside are cranberry and financier flavor fillings. The bakers spent 48 hours creating this cake. Even the bags are designed like a prop from the movies. Many of the ingredients in this range of more than 20 cakes come from Taiwan. The magical atmosphere is enthralling for customers. We have to freeze it for a day to make it into a cake. Then once it's set, we make the fillings, layer it up, and create the final shape. But the cute cakes are not all. There are lots of accessories, including wizards' robes, wands, towels, and ties. This is Harry Potter's first collaboration with an Asian hotel. We have new marketing strategies, different from before, both in our food and drink collaboration and in our accommodation. Right now, we've already taken almost 100 orders. We think that over the whole month, it can bring in at least 1 million NT in profits. The business hopes this new collaboration will ring the changes, attracting new customer demographics who will splash the cash now that the pandemic is over. After a hiatus of two years, an annual summit on Taiwan-Japan tourism was held on Friday. Among the participants were Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenqian. Zheng said his city has made all the necessary preparations to welcome foreign tourists once again. As the city is first stop for many international arrivals, he also pointed out that the many Japanese companies that have prospered in Taoyuan over the years make it an especially attractive place to visit for Japanese travelers. The main visuals on stage are a cute lion on the left, representing Taiwan, and a semi-legendary Buddhist monk roly-poly toy on the right. Representing Japan after a two-year break caused by the COVID pandemic, this annual Taiwan-Japan Tourism Summit on Friday saw its grand reopening. We are on the road of tourism together, working hard to move forward. Let's go. Both sides are itching to resume tourism between Taiwan and Japan. Travel operators have voiced hope Taiwan will lift border restrictions on tourism at the end of September or early October. 
But the main focus of this summit was on how to promote the revival of Taiwan-Japan tourism industries in the post-pandemic era. The most important thing for us today is the hope that we can really sweep away the clouds of the last two years, along with all the hardships the tourism operators were facing. Polls of consumers' first choices for going abroad show that the first place Taiwanese want to go is Japan, and the first place Japanese want to go is Taiwan. This means that we have unlimited tourism potential. Taoyuan, which is home to Taiwan's biggest international airport and often the first stop for tourists, has spared no efforts in promoting Taiwan-Japan exchanges. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wen-sun touted his administration's achievements, saying that he had signed seven sister city agreements, while also holding exchanges in fields ranging from marathons to the arts. He said that more than 200 Japanese enterprises, including the X-Park Aquarium and the city's Japan-owned baseball team, had greatly increased its attractiveness to tourists. Holding this summit before we open up to tourism is particularly valuable. We will discuss post-pandemic tourism, such as how to revive and develop sustainable tourism, how to make preparations so there's enough transport capacity and so on. So I think we can look forward to opening up, which will greatly increase tourist numbers. Through this summit, Taiwan and Japan have reignited exchanges to make adequate preparations for welcoming a large number of post-pandemic tourists. The first batch of monkeypox vaccines arrived in Taiwan Thursday evening. Altogether, the shipment contained 560 doses that will be administered to two groups of people. The first group is people working with the monkeypox virus in labs. The second is people who have been in close contact with monkeypox patients. At the earliest, the jabs could roll out next week. Taiwan's first batch of monkeypox vaccines containing 560 doses arrived in Taiwan on Thursday evening, one day earlier than expected. After clearing customs, the vaccines were sent to a designated cold storage warehouse for inspections. At the earliest, the shots could roll out next week. Currently, there are two groups that are advised to get vaccinated against monkeypox. One of them is people in need of pre-exposure vaccinations. That is personnel at labs working with the monkeypox virus. The second group needs post-exposure vaccinations. That includes medical staff, family members and their contacts that have been in close proximity to monkeypox patients. The shots are live non-replicating vaccines, a third-generation smallpox vaccine that can prevent monkeypox. They cause fewer side effects and are safer than the first-generation smallpox vaccines. They are also easy to administer. The vaccines have already been approved for use in the US, Canada and the EU. People who've previously received a smallpox vaccine may already have some protection against monkeypox. But there is no decisive evidence on the vaccine's effectiveness over a long period. So the current advice is that if you meet the criteria set up by the CDC, you should get vaccinated against monkeypox. So far, Taiwan has reported three imported cases of monkeypox, with another 27 potential cases under investigation. 
The CDC says that travelers who have visited countries with confirmed monkeypox cases should immediately contact health authorities if they develop a fever, rash, pimples, blisters or boils after entering Taiwan. From January 2023, Taiwan's courts will feature citizen judges. The new system will see normal citizens sit beside professional judges to judge serious cases. Now, to make sure citizen judges can serve without distraction, the judicial yuan says employers must give workers paid leave to serve in court. Employees will also be protected from losing workplace privileges while serving as a citizen judge. The new Citizen Judges Act takes effect on January 1, 2023. This promotional video explains the new system and tells employers that citizen judges must get paid leave just like on a national holiday. Up until now, I have not heard of any businesses that don't support this. Not yet. Anyone is eligible to be chosen as a citizen judge if they are over the age of 23 and have lived in the local jurisdiction for four or more months. Six citizen judges would judge a case alongside three career judges. Between one and four reserve citizen judges would also be called to the case. They'll sit on cases for serious crimes that have led to death. In principle, work commitments should not prevent someone from serving, and employees should apply for paid leave. The judicial yuan will send out a notice with a letter to employers aiming to prevent disputes. When an employee receives the call to serve, they can take the notice along with the letter to employers and give them to the employer with a request for paid leave. The Citizen Judges Act states that employers cannot make any changes to the employee's duties that would disadvantage them based on their service as a citizen judge. If employers fail to obey the law, employees can take action. If an employer should fail to provide national holiday, we will deal with the dispute according to the normal procedures for labor disputes. The Judicial Yuan hopes their promotional campaign will raise awareness so citizen judges can sit on cases with a minimum of stress and disruption to their normal work. September 2nd is Tibetan Democracy Day, which this year enters its 62nd anniversary. On Friday, the Taiwan Tibetan Welfare Association held a special ceremony at the Legislative Yuan to commemorate democratic institutions created by Tibetans in exile. The event was attended by many lawmakers, including Freddie Lim, who is the head of the legislature's parliament group for Tibet. Let's hear what he said. Over the past 62 years, the Tibetan government in exile has gradually become stronger. We hope that once Taiwan's borders reopen, we can once again welcome a visit by the Dalai Lama. Since Taiwan and Tibet have similar ideas regarding politics, culture, religion, freedom and democracy, the two have developed extremely good official and non-governmental relations. At the same time, we are both threatened and oppressed by the CCP regime. Attendees sang alone to Tibet's national anthem, and Buddhist monks led prayers to bless the crowd. In a pre-recorded video message, the political leader of the Tibetan government in exile reiterated Taiwan and Tibet's support for democracy. 
He also stressed that China's threats would not cause either side to give up on their beliefs, adding that Taiwan was ready to counter China and defend itself. Premier Su Jinchang has slammed accusations from Chinese officials that Taiwan is seeking to escalate cross-strait tensions through its response to a Chinese drone incursion. His comments come one day after the Jingmen Defense Command shot down a Chinese civilian drone that flew over Shi Islet in Jingmen County. Su said Taiwan had issued warnings on multiple occasions, and China was the one that needed to exercise restraint. This picture shows a soldier in Jinmen pointing at the drone with a rifle. According to the text on the image, six shots were fired at the drone before it was shot down on Jinmen's Shi Islet. The Jinmen Defense Command says that at 12.03 p.m. on September 1st, a civilian aerial photography drone was detected in Shi Islet. It was shot down after warnings failed to drive it away. The move has ruffled feathers in Beijing. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin accused the Taiwan authorities of attempting to create a tense atmosphere, adding that their attempts were meaningless. Meanwhile, China's Taiwan Affairs Office spokesperson Zhu Fenglian claimed the face-off was an attempt by the DPP authorities to escalate cross-strait tensions, something that she said was absurd and laughable. China is sending drones into our territory, taking videos to use for domestic propaganda. We have warned again and again that they should not enter our territory. Even then, Chinese spokespeople make these inappropriate claims. China should know restraint. It should know not to stir things up. Premier Su Chang called on China to stop. Chinese drone intrusions have increased significantly since a visit to Taiwan from U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in early August. To counter the drone threat, Taiwan is planning to deploy an indigenous remote-controlled drone defense system developed by the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology. In addition, reports say the military has already dispatched a small number of officials with drone jammers to Taiwan's outlying islands. The troops deployed here have been trained how to use jammers against drones. This emergency response is appropriate. It's not that difficult to learn how to use these drone jammers. But how to use these tools well is an issue. Things like direction and range. Each drone is different. There are large ones and small ones. Their positioning and characteristics differ a lot. So we should have a multi-level approach that works regardless of the drone type. Experts say that drones have become a mainstay of military operations for battlefield reconnaissance and for attacking targets on the ground. They say Taiwan's military has to step up necessary preparations for curbing these Chinese grey zone tactics. And with the storm's approach, farmers and fishermen are bracing for impact. On Friday, fishermen returned from sea to unload their catch in the nation's ports. Over in Tainan, fruit farmers harvested their pomelos as fast as possible, while vegetable farmers in Kaohsiung rushed to harvest and store their crops. Vegetable vendors say that already the price of cabbage and leafy greens has gone up by 10 NT to 15 NT per caddy. 
With Typhoon Hinamnor approaching, fishers rush to port to unload their catches and take shelter from the wind and waves. The crates were filled with hard-caught sword-tip squid, baby squid, and palm-sized prawns. All of the ships entered the port because of the typhoon. Mid-autumn festival is approaching, so everyone rushed into port to unload their cargoes. Orchard farmers fasten tree branches down with wooden poles so that the avocados won't be blown to the ground. They keep patrolling their orchards again and again. Farmers harvest ripe pomelos one by one and pack them into crates. The ones still on the branch are covered in bags with special care and tied up with string. It's easy to lose fruit when the wind blows them down. These ones are not even ripe yet. Vegetable farmers race to harvest leafy vegetables ahead of the typhoon, fearing that all their hard work could be completely destroyed. If you don't harvest them quickly, then it's no good. If the typhoon comes, they'll be torn up. If they are uprooted, they will be difficult to harvest. Whole piles of bok choy, rapeseed plants and many more are packed and sent to a farmers association for storage. In the case that the vegetables are damaged in large quantities due to the typhoon, the association has a plan to stabilize vegetable prices. We have a rolling storage system. There's about 60 to 70 kilograms of cabbage. The vegetables in the rolling storage system are released in a timely manner, and this keeps market prices relatively stable. Although the Farmers Association has come up with a plan, vegetable prices have already started to move. Broccoli has seen a little price increase. When it was cheap, it was sometimes 45 NT a bunch. When it's dear, it's 50 or even 60 NT. The differences in the prices of cabbage are quite large. Each cat is almost 20 NT dollars more. As the typhoon approaches and with mid-autumn festival just around the corner, farmers and fishermen need to take precautions so as to not let the hard work go to waste. Typhoon Himnamnor is approaching. The Central Weather Bureau says it may issue a land warning for Taipei, New Taipei and Keelung over the next few hours. The typhoon's intensity has reduced since Thursday, but meteorologists say it could once again pick up strength overnight. The storm is currently standing still, hovering over the sea to the east of Taiwan. Let's hear from the CWB. Tomorrow it will slowly move northward. The storm may increase in strength and become bigger. Over the next 24 hours, the storm will slowly approach land. We may issue a land warning as early as tonight, at around midnight. The periphery of the storm has already brought plenty of rain to northern Taiwan, filling up reservoirs in the area. The latest figures show that New Taipei's Gongliao Dam is at full capacity, putting an end to water shortages in Jilong. Water levels at Shimen and Feichui reservoirs have also risen, reaching 60 and 70 percent respectively. The CWB says that over Friday and Saturday, the plains areas in Jilong, Taipei, New Taipei, Taoyuan and Xinju could see a potential rainfall of 300 to 500 millimeters. Mountainous areas north of Miaoli could see as much as 700 millimeters of rain.